0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this week's episode of Mill Liberty. I'm your host, Caleb Franz. This is the voice of liberty for a new generation. I am very happy to, to be here today to host for you and uh, for you to join us. Um, the past few weeks has been very interesting. Uh, last week, we had a very good episode <clears throat> on, uh, on a lot of things, actually, on the... Proper role of the executive branch and um, what what Trump has been doing and how Republicans seemingly love big government again. Shocker! Now that they have all the power, they can they think they can do whatever they want. Um, that I thought led into a wonderful opportunity, especially in the latter part of the episode. We uh, we started talking about we started talking about. Um, Trump's proposed immigration ban, or halt, or pause, or whatever way you want to describe it. Um, and that, as as I get into interactions online, that has propelled another discussion that I think needs to be um, had. And, and I think that is very necessary, that we understand... Because at the root causes of most of our political debates today is very simply just a very common misunderstanding of what the Constitution is, what it says, what it doesn't say, uh, and who it applies to and who it doesn't apply to. And then to further that point, what natural rights are and how the Constitution plays in relation to what natural rights are. Um, and I shouldn't really... It's, I, I, I want to say to my surprise, even though I'm not really too surprised, um, because conservatives like to talk about the Constitution a lot whenever they're not in power, um, as we have seen the left likes to, to talk about the Constitution a lot when uh, they're not in power, as they're doing right now, and uh, as they did during the years of George W. Bush, as soon as either one of them acquire that power, all of a sudden, that kind of stuff doesn't matter anymore. All of a sudden, that kind of stuff gets thrown out the window. But now that um, conservatives are in power again, we, we have seen that, um, and it's really becoming embarrassingly apparent on how much they talk a really good game about the Constitution without really understanding it. At least the left doesn't, you know, pretend like they understand it to a great extent. Sometimes they do, you know, just to try to, to gain points, uh, to score points on their political scorecard. That's, that's all it is. That's all it ever is. Conservatives at least have a genuine concern about the Constitution on the surface. At least try to show that they actually are concerned about the abuses of power, the, um, the infringement upon rights, until you start talking about people who are not citizens of the United States. And that's the, the topic of the show today. That's the discussion that I want to lead today. Does the U.S. Constitution apply only to U.S. citizens? Or does it apply to everyone? Well, the answer to that is, yes, it it does apply to more than just U.S. citizens. But, only if they're under U.S. jurisdiction. That's the short answer to it. The Constitution, in other words, you cannot go out and, and... Invade someone else's sovereign soil and say we're doing this because the Constitution says that we have to protect these natural rights That is where the non-intervention aspect comes into it. You have to, to be very careful and be very weary of that However, if a if a person not a citizen, but a person is under US jurisdiction, it doesn't matter if they are an immigrant a U.S. citizen, a non-immigrant, a refugee, whatever, if they are a person that is under the, the, the laws of the United States, under the jurisdiction of the United States, then their rights must be protected as if they were born in the United States all, all together the entire time. Now, we can get into a philosophical aspect of that, but first I want to show you the constitutional argument of that. And this goes back... Oh, really, you can go back all the way to the days of the framers, but um, whenever it was completely solidified without question was when the 14th um, Amendment was adopted into the U.S. Constitution. The 14th Amendment reads in Section 1... All persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall shall abridge the privileges or immunities of of citizens of the United States nor shall any state deprive any person—here's the important part—any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. Now, the first part of, of that section was talking specifically about slaves. Um, that was after, of course, as, as I assume most of you know, um, but not trying to assume too much, the, uh, of course, the 13th Amendment ended slavery, and this applied to, okay, now what do we do with slaves? Are they citizens? Are they not citizens? This is where that came into play. That was the first part of that. The second part of that it doesn't talk about citizens. The second part of that, um, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. That's the important part, and that's that's the portion that we should be focused on in the current um, political debates that we are having over whether or not um, the Constitution applies to to people that are not U.S. citizens. And this is really important because I see a lot of people trying to claim, especially with the refugee situation, that, well, the Constitution, it, it doesn't apply to, to refugees. It doesn't apply to non to non-citizens. It only applies to those who live here. And this can go into a lot of different angles. This is why um, it's important to understand that non-citizens are also, also have the same rights that citizens have, because they're natural rights. You can't just kill somebody just because they're a U.S. citizen, right? No, of course not, because they have the right to life. We understand that. In fact, conservatives, I find, will easily point to the 14th Amendment to try to apply it to the unborn. And I would argue rightfully so. Rightfully so. Even though they have not yet been born, I would argue that the 14th Amendment can still apply to those not yet born. And a few weeks ago, we had a a basic understanding of that. Now, that's the constitutional argument that you can apply to. Rand Paul talks about um, wanting to apply the 14th Amendment to the case of of those unborn all the time. But where conservatives mess up, and, and I find myself um, a lot of the times dogging on conservatives more often than I do on the left, and that's simply because I feel the need to... Keep my own house in check first, before I go out. And I I have been listening to, um, I've been listening and watching to a lot of uh, the Rubin Report with Dave Rubin a lot. And he has a really great program, and I I see a lot of parallels between what he's doing and um, what what we're trying to do here on the Liberty. Um, And he had on uh, Glenn Beck the other day. And he was talking about how, uh, how people on his own side says, Dave, why are you dogging on the left so much? You know, you're part of the left, or at least, you know, you, you, we think you are. He says, well, get the beam out of your own eye first. That's the only way that you can have any kind of, of credibility. That's the only way you can have any kind of credibility. And for me, since I come from a conservative background, while I may not consider myself conservative necessarily anymore, um, I, I do still hold to a lot of those, those basic principles that I grew up with and that I was raised with, and those are conservative principles. I still, I still uphold those to a certain extent. And whenever I see that conservatives are typically the ones who are talking about natural rights, rightfully so. Rightfully so. Those are, those are typically the ones who are talking about natural rights, that are talking about the Constitution. And then when I see people on the right talking about how, well, except for, the Constitution is great, except for X, Y, and Z. We love the Constitution, but it doesn't apply to these people. That is hypocritical. That is not small government conservatism. That, quite frankly, is an even small government liberalism. And when I say liberalism, I'm, I'm speaking from a, a classical standpoint, a position that I would hope that, that most people would have to, and, and understand, that classical liberalism is, is really what we need to be striving for to, I would say, a greater extent throughout the country but the basic and the found in the in the the basis for this misunderstanding of the Constitution doesn't even really come from a lack of knowledge of of civics even it comes from a lack of knowledge of natural rights and and how they apply now we spoke on this uh, two weeks ago whenever the March for life was going on and I was laying out to you a basic, uh, a basic foundation and a basic blueprint as to how libertarians can be pro-life and how it's not a contradiction. A lot of people see that libertarians mean, and I think wrongfully so, because of you know people like Gary Johnson and Bill Weld who ran and uh, kind of corrupted the libertarian message. Libertarianism is not about being Fiscally conservative and socially liberal. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with a basic understanding of natural rights Property rights and non-aggression. That's what that's that's what libertarianism is Libertarianism 101 in a nutshell and you cannot violate someone else's right to life to liberty or to property It doesn't matter if it's a left position a socially liberal position or a fiscally conservative position, if if it violates that basic litmus test, then as libertarians or as classical liberals or even as conservatives, as people, as basic human beings, we must understand that our rights are inherent in our humanity. That's why the Constitution, regardless of citizenship, must protect every person within its jurisdiction of their right to life, liberty, and property. And I know that a lot of people will hear that, and it will make their ears bleed, or their eyes just shoot out blood. I get that. There's a lot of partisanship in it today. There's a lot of of division today. We think that because some people are um, refugees or immigrants um, or we can even take it a step further uh, criminals prisoners they cannot be denied the basic rights of life, liberty, and property without due process. So whenever and and this can apply to things like nonviolent offenders this can apply to um those detained in Guantanamo Bay and i know a lot of a lot of ears will perk up whenever they hear me say that it's Caleb what are you saying these are these are terrorists these are bad people you can't just let them go well no maybe you can't just let them go but being detained without due process is a violation of their natural rights. That's a simple fact. And as long as they are under U.S. jurisdiction, which they are, if they are in Guantanamo Bay and they are being held prisoner by the United States of America, then they must be afforded the right to due process. They cannot have their rights violated without it. And it's going it would be really easy. Like, show me. Point to me. Anyone who would actually say, no, these guys should be walking free. Point to me a single judge or jury who would just be like, no, these guys are okay. Nobody would do that. It would be so easy. And the same, um, with the same idea, the same uh, argument would apply to those who would be seeking refuge in the United States. Now, those refugees, if they are still in, say, Syria, or if those refugees, if they are still in, say, uh, Iraq or anywhere else where these, where, where the hot places are, does the Constitution apply to them whenever they're over there? No. Do they still have natural rights? Yes. Should we go out of our way to deny them of those natural rights if they come over here? No that's where the division lies and that's where we have to make a very clear and very um a very clear understanding and a very clear argument that we cannot simply deny people their natural rights just because they do not live here or just because they're not US citizens just because they come from a, uh, from, a, from another place. The framers and the founders of America, the framers of, of the Constitution of the United States, understood this. They understood that the rights, the rights did not come from the Constitution. This is something that we also have to understand. And typically, I think conservatives do, whenever they're talking about something like the Second Amendment whenever they're talking about something that uh, would protect U.S. citizens. But the sheer fact that there would be a divide between those um, who are citizens and those who are not shows that they really don't understand it at all. That the Constitution is merely a protector of human rights that are inalienable, that are inherent inside our own humanity that we cannot violate them just because they're not a citizen. They're human beings. That's what the Constitution protects. It doesn't protect the rights of the citizenry. It protects the rights of all human beings of anybody who is within the jurisdiction of the United States of America. James Madison understood this. He said the future and success of America is not in this Constitution. The founder the framer, the writer of the Constitution, said that the future and success, it's not in the United States Constitution, but in the laws of God upon which this Constitution is founded. That was his basic appeal to natural rights. That was his basic appeal and basic understanding. And and this is why that um, that the Constitutional Convention was so debated the the idea of a, of a US constitution was so debated at the time of the constitutional convention because the founders were scared even though what resulted of it was the greatest li- it was the greatest document ever to be conceived in human history that I can assure you but the founders were afraid that if we just put these um, if we just put these rights inside the Constitution, that the people would begin thinking that the Constitution provides it. That's simply not the case. And that is the reason they added the Ninth Amendment, which I would consider the most underrated amendment and underappreciated amendment in the in the Constitution. Everyone loves the Second Amendment. Everyone loves the First Amendment. This one is the most important one out of any of them. The Ninth Amendment reads, The enumeration of the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed or denied or disparaged, or disparage others retained by the people. Meaning your rights do not end with this Constitution because it is a, a basic appeal and a basic understanding of what natural rights are. Natural rights are inherent in you. This is what we learned from uh, John Locke. Thomas Jefferson, we have to understand our why. This is why it's so important that we couple the Declaration of Independence with the Constitution. The Constitution may be our our governing document, but the Declaration of Independence, I would argue, in some regards, is more important because it illustrates, A, why we, we waged a revolution in the first place. B, it illustrates Jefferson's just sheer brilliance. It illustrates that that we weren't waging war just because the king wasn't nice. We were waging war because the king violated the natural rights that God hath endowed us with. The Declaration of Independence is the reasoning for the Constitution. And you can see that in the Bill of Rights. You can see that in the compromise, the constant compromise that um, the Federalists versus the Anti-Federalists, that that they were constantly making to try to make this document the safest place for liberty. That's why Benjamin Franklin said that my um, nation is where liberty dwells. That's my country. At the time, he was talking about the United States because that's where liberty was dwelling. But that wasn't an appeal to nationalism. That was an appeal to individualism. That was an appeal to liberty, to understand that while, yes, we have created a great society, we have created an amazing governing document that limits, for the first time in human history, it limits the government, not the people. If that government were to ever turn on its people... Then Benjamin Franklin was not afraid to say, you know what, screw this. Uh, this isn't this is, is not where I want to be anymore. Because liberty has died. It was an appeal to our basic understanding that that liberty must be first and foremost, above all. Liberty is what we should always be striving for. And that is is shown in our Constitution. That is outlined in our Constitution. That's why I said that the Ninth Amendment is the most important amendment in the Constitution because it illustrates very clearly that this is not about what we are giving you. It's not about what rights we are giving you. It's about what rights we are protecting that are inherent in you. Both sides mess this up. Both sides misunderstand this. Conservatives misunderstand this when you're talking about immigration. Conservatives misunderstand this when you're talking about foreign policy. That's why uh, a few weeks ago when we did our pro-life episode, I said that you have to be as, as defenders of liberty. You have to be pro-life in all stages of life for everywhere, including those across the world. Now, now that doesn't mean that the United States should be at all places at all times, to defend everyone's rights around the world. But should we be going around destabilizing regions, killing many civilians? No. Whenever we are in an area in the world, should we be violating their rights just because it's a time of war? No. Do not fire unless fired upon. That's basic conduct in the military. Because not only does the United States protect rights to its own citizenry. It's an understanding that rights are not merely this concept that the United States came up with. They belong to all humans. That's an area where the right tends to get wrong on, like I said, on foreign policy, on immigration, on um, criminal justice in, in a lot of regards. It's an area that the left gets wrong on... Abortion, for example. But at the root of both sides is just a simple, basic misunderstanding of natural rights. At the root of both sides is a basic um, misunderstanding that our rights come from government when they don't. I was in a a discussion, or debate, if you will, um, about a week ago, or two weeks ago, I can't remember exactly, but um, online about... Why the Constitution doesn't simply just apply to U.S. citizens, and the other person who I was discussing with, this with was trying to make the argument that I'm not talking about uh, I'm not talking about God-given rights. I'm talking about constitutional rights, and I was perplexed because I didn't know what rights he was talking about. What rights are in the Constitution that you could be talking about that are not God-given? Because those aren't rights. When I speak of rights, those are the only rights I'm, I'm talking about. You have the right to life. You have the right to liberty. You have the right to property. Government cannot deny you of that. They cannot deny you of your right to self-defense. Not without due process. Now, if you break the law, illegal, uh, alien or not, refugee or not, Immigrant, non-immigrant, whatever, whatever your status is, if you break the law and you go through due process, then under the law, that is when you have your rights violated or you 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 justly that is when um, you can have a solid argument. not when you're just simply here. you're just simply existing. And I might add that the the punishment must fit the crime that also appeals to our basic understanding of natural rights that just because you violate someone's property just because you may damage their property you cannot have their your your life taken for that that's another appeal to natural rights that our founding fathers understood and that they tried so desperately to outline this is the conversation that that we, in large part, I think, are losing as liberty lovers, as uh, defenders of the Constitution, and as defenders of natural rights. I think we are are losing our grasp on this conversation because we haven't been having the right one. The right conversation would be a basic appeal to our humanity— in a basic appeal to the fact that our rights lie within our humanity. It's not about our citizenship. It's not about the U.S. Constitution, even, per se. There are certain powers in the U.S. Constitution that only apply to the United States. That much is true. But that's the difference in powers and rights. And a lot of times in, this, in, in, this, in the conversations that we have, we seem to forget that. We seem to forget where the divide is. But that's something that we cannot forget. If we are going to be a people who are going to be raising up the constitution, I don't care where what political affiliation you are. You could be a you could be somebody from the Tea Party in 2009 raising up the constitution says where in the in the constitution is there the power of the federal government to enforce every single individual to buy health care. And you'd be right. You would be right. I don't care if you're a Tea Partier waiving the Constitution for that, or if you are um, a Muslim Democrat standing up on the stage of the DNC, raising up your Constitution, telling, telling Trump, trying to school Trump on what the Constitution says. I don't care which side you're on. If you're going to be doing that, you have to be consistent. Now understand, I, I, I fully endorse anyone to stand up, hold the Constitution up, and tell someone else to read it. But for consistency's sake, I suggest that you do the same. For consistency's sake, I suggest that you defend rights, even when it goes up against your personal belief even when it goes up against your own personal worldview. You can still have your own worldview, but defend rights regardless. Defend the Constitution regardless. This is something that we have to start having. This is a discussion that we have to start having as a people, as a nation. We have to start understanding where our rights come from. Because if you can start denying people rights based on their citizenship it's not going to stop there. When you can give people excuses as to why you're violating natural rights then yours will be next. If you say well he wasn't a citizen so of course you can violate said rights, say his right to free speech for example. He doesn't live here so of course you can violate that. It's only a matter of time whenever you that that power that you are giving the government to violate rights comes back and the government begins violating your rights against you. It's very concerning. It's something that we have to start defining and start understanding. I hope and I pray that in the the next four years, it, it at least provides us an opportunity, as the past eight years did, it provides us an opportunity with a basic understanding, with a national conversation as to what rights are and where they come from and why we must defend them even if we don't agree with those who we're defending. That's my goal and that's my, um, that's my goal that I'm striving towards in the next four years, at least four years. And I hope that you will join me on that on that journey. For a national discussion and a national discourse that we have to be having, it's too important not to. That will be our. Uh, that will be all that we have time for today. Uh, next week, next week will be very fun. Next week will not. We will not have an episode on Thursday because um, I'll be getting ready to go to Washington next week, and instead, our next episode will be our Students for Liberty roundtable with. Uh, Jeffrey Tucker, Zuri Davis, Jacob Richards, and Joshua Guckert. Uh, that will be very exciting because we'll be broadcasting from the Students for Liberty conference, um, the International Students for Liberty conference, and uh, I cannot wait to have some some great discussions. We'll be talking about the the state of liberty across the world and and how we can strive for a better world for freedom. Uh, and then after that. The following week, we will be having our exclusive interview with Jack Hunter. And then after that, because it's just not stopping, the happening train doesn't stop. um, After that, we'll be having our uh, special CPAC event panel. And that'll be on Saturday. If you're going to be at CPAC, please join us for that because we will be having uh, Charlie Kirk, uh, Jack Hunter, and Matt Kibbe which I can announce now for the first time, uh, now that I have most of the details pretty much confirmed. It'll be on Saturday, uh, the 25th, and we'll try to try to get that up if you, if you can't make it. Um, be sure to just be following us and looking out for details on that. As I've said every week, be sure to follow me on Twitter for uh, all the updates that you can get, um, at Caleb Franz, and then follow this show at Mill Liberty. Also, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes so that you will never miss an update and you'll never miss an episode, so it'll get into your inbox instantaneously. We have a very exciting (laughs) next few episodes, Um, and boy, March is going to be fun. We have great plans for March that I can't wait to talk to you about. Until then, be safe be good. I hope to see you in Washington. If you're going to be either at, at either conferences or anywhere in between, please um, reach out to me so we can try to have some, uh, I don't know, some coffee or something. I'm, I'm a coffee addict, so i always, I'll always go for that. But until then, be safe, be good. We'll see you next week.